Welcome to the podcast for pet carers. If you're a pet parent or work in the pet care industry, then this is the podcast for you. Our show is about all things pet care, discussing everything from cats and kittens, dog training, pet nutrition, boarding, grooming, daycare, and much more. Join us fortnightly as our host and dog trainer extraordinaire, Glenn Cook, chats with leading pet industry professionals. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of the podcast for pet carers. I'm host of the show, Glenn Cook, and today I'm going to be speaking with Kana Wrench from Canine Evolution about the benefits of training while dogs are in boarding kennels. But first, before we do that, I'd like to thank our show sponsor for today, is Canine Evolution themselves and Pet Resorts Australia. You can look them up on the website. We'll put them in the description for the show info, but it's www.canineevolution.com.au. It's not spelt K and nine, it's canine as the word. And also for Pet Resorts Australia, it's www.petresorts with an S, australia.com. Thank you very much for sponsoring our show today. And without further ado, let's leap straight into the show. Welcome, Kana. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us in the studio. Because this is primarily a podcast set up for people in the industry, seasoned professionals themselves, people who run boarding kennels, daycare, trainers, even pet parents. The benefit of this show is going to be talking about a range of topics about what happens when dogs go into pet care facilities or when they're thinking about utilising pet care or training or daycare or whatever it is. What we want to do is try and have some information prepared for them, it'll be beneficial to understand and learn what to do with their pets. You've been working for Canine Evolution for how long now? I'm pretty sure about four and a half years going on five nearly. I should know that, shouldn't I? Because we work together. (laughs) Yeah, I should know as well. But (laughs) The best thing what we can do is have a little chat with each other and just try and educate people on what it looks like going into a boarding facility or even having a trainer visit their home or even coming out for a private lesson. So let's lead with the first question. Why is training beneficial when boarding your pet? There's many reasons why it's beneficial. A few of them that come off the top of my head is obviously depending on if the dog's been to a boarding facility before, it may be a little bit nervous to come into this type of environment. So Mm -hmm. adding on training is extra as like confidence building, building obviously the relationship with the trainers to kind of have that little one-on-one time. Other reasons is really good brain stimulation depending on how long they are in for a stay. Mm -hmm. And then obviously – On top of that, you have your complex like aggression and things like that, them coming in for your long periods of our like expert packages, which is the five weeks, things like that is really good because we then have that day-to-day repetition of the training sessions Mm. to really get the training put in there for the clients because you've got to understand the difference between doing private lessons and them coming in for staying trains is our job is to train dogs. So we have that time that allotted time to work with that dog and really get the progression in there for them so that when they go back to the home environment, it's a little bit easier for the client to work with what they've got now because you've got to understand that clients, they've got their own jobs, they're Mm. doing, they've got their own life, they've got all that. They don't have all of the time in the world to work on certain complex aggression or behavioural modifications. So when we're getting them in for staying trains, it is important that the client obviously understands that they're learning too. So it's probably a little bit easier to add on the training for a stay. But as I said, it is obviously confidence building for new clients that come or 
the stain trains purposely booked mm-hmm. through the clients coming in, or it's just a little bit of that enrichment for extra brain stimulation exercise while the dog's here. I really like that last point. I think that extra stimulation is not only a great selling point, but it's also a fact, like it's a truth. You know, like for trainers, it's a business, but when you're looking at realities and facts in things, extra stimulation is definitely one of those key points that it, we try and emphasize to anybody that comes in a boarding facility, especially long-term dogs. So if people are going away long-term, I definitely recommend that the dog actually starts to do training session or lessons with a trainer for a period of time. That's another leading question I want to talk about. What's the best period of time for a dog to come in to receive training? That really depends, I guess, on the expectation of what the client wants. But for just brain stimulation, we can add that on to just like an overnight stay or even a weekend stay because we can obviously work on little fun things like spin and touch and brush up on obedience. It's obviously not something that we can work on full-on aggression cases and things like that, but Mm. it's definitely something to kind of get them out and about, work on the recall, work in a distracting environment because obviously being in a boarding facility – there's a lot of distractions. So it's a great way to kind of work on proofing um, obedience that they've worked on before. Mm-hmm. But I would say probably minimum three to four days would be best, but yep. you can add it onto the overnight stays. And it, as I said, like brain stimulation, you've got border collies and kelpies and shepherds and all of those dogs coming in. It's important that they get everything they need whilst mm. at the boarding facility as well. So adding it on, it's kind of like that little extra gym session or something for them to get extra energy out and about, even if they've been playing with their friends and things like that. So that's a great one for being in the boarding facility for a period of time or whatever facility they're in and having a trainer as a coach working with the dog, giving them that enrichment and that extra stimulation. How about if the dog is coming in and the owner needs the dog to learn, let's say, certain skill sets? What do you think would be the best period of time? I would say three weeks would be the perfect time for that type of expectation. You then obviously have the time to build that bond with the dog, work on all your marker words and getting all the foundations put in, and then obviously can start to add some distraction to it before they obviously go back home. Because obviously you got to think in this environment as well, it is very controlled. So we can control a lot of the outcomes of like, working around dogs in a controlled environment. So once they go home, they still need to obviously practice, practice, practice. Mm. But three weeks is definitely the main package we recommend to kind of get all of the foundations and fundamentals in place. That's a good point there where you just talked about the owner then having to practice. And it has to be one of the key points that's emphasized in any type of package. Again, one of the points I was trying to make before is that a lot of us have to market. It's part of any business that we're involved in. But again, when you're getting back into industry truths or facts about what you need to do, one of the points that's often and relatively often missed is the amount of communication that the owner still needs to work with the dog when the dog goes home. So this is not just a get out of jail free card and you go and get your dog trained and then live happily ever after. What the dog does know is a list of skills, skills that it didn't understand before, or it may have a minimal amount of skills. But I have seen plenty of times where owners have got on the forum and said, I went off and did this board and train package or a stay and train package at a facility. The trainer brought the dog out, showed it to me. And then when I took the dog home, a couple of weeks later, the dog was doing nothing. When I see things like that, it does actually bring the hair up on the back of my neck. And it agitates me a little bit because obviously there's a part of the communication that didn't happen well. It's like there was something that wasn't 
portrayed well in the execution of doing the whole stay and train package. Primarily what that may have been was the trainer didn't explain you need to follow up this or it's not always the trainer's fault because anytime when I've actually seen conversation around this, I have seen online conversation where trainers have defended the point and said, no, no, we clearly make it and it's part of our marketing that if the dog comes to stay for a period of time, there needs to be follow-up, like there needs to be a daily routine. So what we've done is we've created a series of learned behaviours now that the dog actually has an understanding of, doesn't entirely understand them in completion. Yep. But what they do understand is they've learned how to do something new. So it's like us. If we learn something, it doesn't mean that we've mastered it. It just simply means that we've obtained a new skill. Yep. In order to master it, we have to then practice. Exactly. What are your thoughts around that? That's probably one of my main things with training. I always make it extremely clear with the clients that once we've done the work here at the resorts or in our staying trains, things like that, that Mm. they do need to continue on the training. Because I guess the way I like to explain it is like you don't go to the gym once or twice and get abs. You have to continuously work at it to Mm. maintain it. But also you have to change a lot. You have to change your lifestyle, the way you eat, et cetera. So it's the same with a dog. If you come in and you're like, I really want my dog to do X, Y, and Z and have all of these perfect manners, it is something that needs to be recharged and retrained and continually topping it up so that they don't forget because if they kind of allowed to go back to their own way once they go home, then of course they're going to go, oh, I can get away with it here, but I can't get away with it at the resort. And I see that a lot, like the dogs come back in for their lesson and they're walking amazingly and they're doing everything because they understand the rules Mm. are set in stone here because we won't allow anything to portray from what they've been told to do. But at home, it's we love the pets at home, things like that. Like with Noodle, I'm the same with my own dog. She gets away with a little bit more. But when they go home, we really need to make sure that the client understands new rules, new everything. Mm. We need to really get it set in stone that they understand the same manners are the same at the resort as they are at home now. Yeah, really good points. There's another area that after many years of being in the industry now for a long time, 30-odd years, I guess I've literally heard everything between the professionals and the customers and all of the pros and cons in between. One of them that you regularly read online is you see customers or you see new pet parents or you even see just banter and chatter about the YouTube dog trainers who bring up their dog and it's very flashy and it's doing all the the magic work. And then people look at that and then they look at their dog and they see that there is a dim comparison, like their dogs are not doing that. But what I need to emphasize for people out there who are listening to this is that the people that you're watching on those YouTube channels who are doing exceptional work, and it is exceptional work, they're talented trainers, they've spent many, 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 many hours of work and they've gone through all the frustrations that you're going to go through as well. So their puppies have been annoying and and frustrating and chewed their furniture and done all those sort of things. Maybe not in some of those areas because they might have better preparedness earlier on for working with puppies. However, they have also set up a structure and a program that when they're working with their dogs, they're incrementally, and that means like piece by piece, and on a daily and a rigorous routine, making sure that the dog is working on the program that they actually know. They're primarily beginning with the end in mind. They know what they want to do. They've been involved in training for such a period of time that they've you know, trained other people's dogs. They may have had a dog themselves in the past, may be a very talented trainer, However, there are points that when people look at that, because I do, again, you know, going back to the frustration, I have people say, well, why can't my dog do that? 
there is a strong possibility that your dog could do that or emulate that closely, or it may be a different type of breed that doesn't really have that sort of drive and motivation. So there might be a couple of reasons why it will or won't do the exercise exactly by what you're watching on there. But you still got to realize that that person is putting in an extreme amount of work. There is no shortcutting that. You used a good example before, Kana, when you were talking about going to the gym and you just can't go in there, do a couple of sessions on one of the machines and get abs or biceps. It just doesn't work like that. There's an old saying in the industry, no pain, no gain. In the gym industry, that is. You've got to be working and dieting and looking after yourself and turning up regular. And you're talking about years in the making to get to that sculpted product in the end. And that's what you're looking at with the YouTube dogs as well. Mm. Going through all the frustrations of puppies, going through all the frustrations of the juvenile dog, and then finally getting to a point where the pair of you understand each other. The art and the skill of a trainer is that they can bring to the forefront a lot of ideas and suggestions with new pet parents. And to be honest, a lot of pet parents don't have the requirements that they see of skilled and talented trainers or YouTube trainers. They don't have the requirements, so they don't want that end product. They love it and they think they want it, but then they don't want to do the work to obtain it. Yeah. Primarily, what are most of the exercises that you get requested to help with or teach the dogs? Mostly you've got like your loose lead walking, a nice social walk where the dog doesn't pull during walking, getting focused during a walk. Recall is a massive one. Sitting and staying, place command. We do obviously get your more behavioral modification as well through canine evolution. So your dog-to-dog aggression, human aggression or lead reactivity is a massive one as well. And at the moment, being that it's been COVID, we have a lot of very nervy um, young dogs and things like that. So at the moment, we've got a lot of confidence building and Mm. um, working on building some type of looking and seeing new things because they've kind of just been in the home environment. So really getting them to see the world and walk nicely on lead because they're kind of frightened of everything and things like that. So it's your main basic like lead manners and just all round manners. No jumping's a big one as well. You see the difference between like your pet dog owners and your working line. Like we do work with some working line owners and they want to build drive and get flashy heels and things like that as well. But there is a big difference that obviously pet dogs, we want the dog to do what we want them to do without being overly excited in the Mm. home environment, especially people with kids and things like that. You don't want them jumping on the kids or stealing food and all of those type of exercises. Yeah, I absolutely agree. There's a lot of times where just manners alone is beneficial for many of these dogs. I'm not trying to paint any pet parent out to be a villain in this story, but if they get a dog and there's a lot of times where people actually do get a dog and they don't really know whether they want one or not. However, the kids have been hounding for a dog. Maybe one of the parents has had their heart set on the dog and the other one really hasn't. So it doesn't take much at times when there is a precarious placement of a pet dog in a home and it wasn't really a good decision about having it there. It doesn't take much for that pet to really topple the scales and get removed from the home if the obedience isn't up to scratch. Mm. I mean, people owe it to themselves to do what they need to do in order to have the dog understand what's expected in the home. That comes down to obedience. That comes down to training. Like in order to train a dog to understand what the home requirements are, they need to know from you what the rules are. Because primarily what I try and explain to a lot of people is puppies are just blank slates. Mm -hmm. There are unwritten whiteboards. They have no knowledge about what they're supposed to do in your home. They just know how to be a puppy. 
So until the time comes where the rules are explained to them, they will do what they do because that's the rules of being a puppy. A puppy is explore, chew, pee, poo, all of those things. And it's primarily what an infant child would do. The reason we put nappies on babies is because we don't. There'll be mess all over the place and all over them. When they start crawling and moving around, they start grabbing things and putting them in their mouth and we remove those from... Yeah, we put the parent locks on. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, put the baby gates up and the parent locks on and cover things up and move things to higher ground Mm -hmm. where they can't reach and they can't topple it onto themselves and so forth. So anybody who's had a child has to understand that even though that's your child and you love them, there's still a lot of inconvenience because they've changed your lifestyle. They've changed the landscape of the home. And that's exactly what happens when a puppy comes into a home. So until that puppy understands what are the boundaries and what am I allowed to do and what am I not allowed to do, and this takes time, Mm. you know, like they have to go through that period. They have to understand all puppies, all children. We went through it. Our friends went through it. Our children went through it. Everything that we're involved in, it doesn't matter if you've got a kitten, the same sort of thing. Mm. Everyone has to learn what the household boundaries are. So until that time, there has to be an amount of understanding and a little bit of relaxation around it. Yeah, a little bit of patience. It's kind of like even when going into a new work, you don't know the things you're learning, things are going to happen, mistakes are going to be made. You can't expect them to know everything because they're a puppy. Like it does definitely take a little bit longer and patience is a massive one. So. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's the same thing with rescue dogs. Mm. There's a lot of times where people get rescue dogs and they think, oh, this is an older dog. It's not a puppy. I'm not going to go through that pain anymore. However, the reason that they may have become a rescue dog is because they didn't really work well in the last house they were in. That doesn't mean they're a bad dog. The dog is just being a dog. It's just in default dog program. It thinks, well, this is the way I behave. It doesn't mean that there is an easy way to get there sometimes. Some ways you still have to go through the hard yards to get the dog trained and get the dog understand. But however, in the service that you provide, that's something that the owner can fast track. They can actually work with you or they can do that stay and train program where when the dog comes in, you can take a lot of that pain away from them not having that initial relationship with the dog and start teaching the dog how to learn skills, how to understand what its place in the home is with consultation between you, them and the dog. Yeah. Tell us about that. Obviously, with the stain trains, as I've said before, it's a great idea, especially when they're first come into the family, they've kind of settled in things like that, and then they come into the stain train. We then have the facilities and the knowledge to really amp the training up and get all the fundamentals in for the client. Mm. So then the client's not kind of like running around, pulling their hair out, being like, I don't know what I'm doing, and then I'm also confusing the dog. We get the dog to understand, and then we then teach the client how we've obviously communicated with the dog. And because now the dog has the fundamentals, you'll find that the clients get a little bit more excited because the dog does what they've asked because they've already done, say, the three weeks. And it's a little bit easier for the client to go, oh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel Mm. instead of having this crazy little Labrador running around chewing everything in the house. It now knows, okay, place, things like that. But as I said, it is something that they need to continue on. They've just got that little bit of step up that will help them obviously not get impatient with it because then they're not trying to implement a place when they don't even really understand the idea of how to implement that with their dog because they're not a dog trainer. And that, I guess, is the biggest thing. If you don't have any background in training dogs and things like that, it's definitely important to consult with a trainer, even if it's just a first assessment lesson so that 
then we can kind of get you on the right track to get some tips and techniques in to kind of clear your idea of what is expected of the dog and are you expecting too much of the dog. Mm. The good thing as well with our stain trains is when we do them, there's a handover lesson and then also depending on what package you do, we have follow-up lessons. So the follow-up lessons I find are really important to make sure that get done because they get to go home, they get to obviously implement things that are happening and then anything they're having trouble with, they can come back and we can kind of work through that with them as well Mm. and then obviously help implement that more into like walking down the road or people coming over and things like that. I definitely think staying trains or even just private lessons are super important when you get either a puppy, a rescue dog, or you start to come into a little bit of trouble with your adolescent dog or your older dog because you wouldn't technically just try and fix your car yourself, you'd go to a mechanic. So it's definitely something I recommend is seeing a professional about your dog because then it's going to stop any interruptions into your life quicker because you'll understand clearer because we'll be able to help you implement that a lot quicker as well. I certainly agree on that. I think there's a time where rather than just giving up on the dog or being super frustrated, that is the time to call in a professional. Yeah. An example that you were referring to before is about working on your car. Some Mm. people do. However, there's a point where sometimes they need to call in somebody who has mastery in an area that they just don't understand or they don't do it so well, they're not going to risk doing it. So there's no shame in that at all. I think the encouragement and the takeaway that we're trying to give people is that if you can see that things are going a little pear-shaped with the the relationship between you and your dog, that is time to try and look into calling in a professional. How would you suggest people do that? Like if they're trying to find a professional in their area, how would you suggest they do that? It really depends what type of social media and things like that that you use. There's a lot on obviously Instagram and Facebook, having a Google, things like that. Obviously, Canine Evolution works within a lot of the boarding kennels around the Central Coast and Sydney. Mm -hmm. So just searching up our name or searching up dog training in an area. There is obviously forums on Facebook and things like that to get referred so that you can see how many people have worked with a certain trainer and things like that because you want to make sure that you're going with someone that has some good background and has some type of professionalism about dog training. Yes. You don't want to just go with some guy down the road, even though they might be amazing. You do obviously, if you are at that point where you're like, oh my God, the dog needs to go or I need to do something, you want to make sure that you're going to get good results from the trainer. I think qualifications and or references is beneficial for anything that you're looking up. Mm. Often we refer to word of mouth. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times, as you said, people can go into forums and people will say, yes, I've worked with this organization or this individual before and had really good results and it really was transformative for my dog. It really is about improving that lifestyle, improving the position where you actually understand each other. The other point that you did mention before, before we do the wind-up of the show, was you were talking about COVID. All of us, the whole world, we're just nearly on two years now. The whole world has been locked down, shut down, changed the entire landscape that we all live on. And it was an interesting vision for all of us because we, all of us, like I'm not just talking about us as trainers in Australia as well, but trainers around the world, like literally were ringing the doom bell at that stage and thinking, oh, that's it for us. We're out of business. The extraordinary thing was that it had the opposite reaction was that suddenly training and doing staying trains was the salvation of a lot of businesses. Yeah. Tell us about your experience in that. So when COVID first hit, as you said, 
a lot of trainers were like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Mm. Obviously, everyone's trying to save their pennies, but no one's going away, especially when you work in a board and train facility. A lot of the time, the dogs are here because they're going on holidays and things like that. We were obviously a bit stressed, but we were extremely busy throughout the whole of the lockdown situation because we were getting a lot of your more behavioural modification Mm. type of dogs because I think a lot of people were starting to notice that the separation anxiety of them being home or even trying to go to the shops and things like that started to pick up. Walking their dogs that they never really got a chance to, they were like, oh, they're horrible on lead, they're actually really lead reactive. All of that started to happen and then I guess they were like, no better time to do it now when we're obviously at home and Mm. there's available spots and things like that. So we got super busy. We're still super busy with a lot of your COVID dogs and dogs with those behavioural type of issues. But it's been great because we've been able to obviously work and really hone in on our skills and experience with lead reactive dogs, fear aggression, dog to dog aggression and things like that. So it's been great. Mm. For for a business side of thing, it's been good, but obviously – not being able to go anywhere but work. It's been Mm. good to socialise with everyone. Yeah, it was amazing to see how that landscape really changed for all of us. I was concerned myself because being involved in boarding kennel businesses, which adapt the whole daycare training, we have external groomers and everything like that. Mm. We're all sitting there looking at each other going, oh, this is terrible. Like Mm. It was like chicken little, the sky is going to fall on top of us. Because we were essential workers, we were allowed to travel around yeah. we were, well, we needed to because we needed to medicate, feed, and, you know, we yeah. still had dogs in from other essential workers. Mm-hmm. So people that were on the front line trying to tackle and battle COVID, their dogs were coming in and, and staying in the kennels or doing daycare with us. So the business, the salvation of the business was from daycare and training. You yeah. know, obviously, as you said, people weren't going away for holidays, but they were needing their dogs to get out of the house yep. while they were out of the house working on the front line, you know, like a lot of paramedics, a lot of people in healthcare yeah, and so forth. Yeah, yeah, police. So a lot of all of those essential services, their pets were in with us. And in turn, we were able to still maintain a job and a position, which was wonderful that we could still do that and keep our own head sane during a, a very insane time. That was wonderful and you're absolutely right. There were a lot of people who identified and were really concerned with not being the person that has a COVID puppy. Mm. And uh, a COVID puppy is a puppy that doesn't get the required social period that it needs to do. Like there's a period in in puppies from the eight weeks that you generally get a new puppy to about 16 weeks of age called the critical period. There's a lot of research on why that is. It's six to 16 weeks essentially. I won't go into all the details right now because it's quite lengthy and it's quite detailed. But trust me when I say people involved in peer review science have studied that period between the six and 16 weeks. They found it very beneficial. So there were people out there who were doing the right thing. They were reading literature and thinking, okay, I've got a puppy. I am in a COVID situation where I'm in lockdown. However, I can still work with a trainer or I can still even do Zoom sessions. Yep. And people were still able to go out and exercise and, you know, walk in their own area, which was beneficial. So they found that there were an array of things that were still available to them. And one of them was coming out to boarding facilities or having even having a boarding facility go and pick their dogs up. So everyone did it carefully. They all masked up. They all kept their social distancing. People went into the yards and picked up the dogs for them and did all these wonderful services So there are a lot of people in that area who are real heroes for pets. They did a really wonderful service and it was really heartfelt to see yourself and the other trainers who were 
somewhat putting yourself at risk to go and make sure that pets were still trained. I mean, obviously it was still work, yep. but also it was still an essential service that we were able to provide and very beneficial for a lot of these new puppies and a lot yeah. of these dogs coming through, which otherwise would have sat at home and had a very, very poor outlook on on life. And that is that critical period of development where they do need to go out, they do need to explore, they do need to socialise, they do need to yeah. be in an environment. Exposure is like a really important part of the mm. puppy, like bringing up a puppy because obviously if they're not exposed to everything as much as possible in that critical period, you get your little nervy dogs and things like that. So it's great that training was an essential service because mm-hmm. the amount of puppies that we had because everyone got puppies in COVID because what better to do than have a puppy when you're at home? Absolutely. So that was great to see and it's good to see them all now two years on still coming for daycare, still working with us and watching them grow. So it's been really great to see. Still doing group classes, still being yep. involved in either private lessons or all of the services Home that you consults, offer. Home consults, yeah. all of that type of stuff. So it's been great because obviously – there was an influx of the puppies at the start of COVID, so it's great to continue to work with all those guys. And you've been busier than ever, right? Yeah, it's very insane, mm. but it's great. I'd rather be busy than not Absolutely, busy. yeah. We were very fortunate to be able to still be in a position to have our jobs when so many other people yeah, unfortunately definitely. weren't. That's great, and we're just about to do the wind-up, but before we do, what are your takeaway thoughts on training? I guess the question is, what should people look into if they want to get their dogs trained? Biggest thing is definitely get your dog trained. Don't think about it. Even if it's just one lesson to kind of get you on the right track, Mm -hmm. it's really important to start that. Even if your dog's eight or nine, that whole old dogs, you can't teach new tricks, very false. You definitely can. Mm. It just may take that little bit longer and more training the better, but even just little bits here and there and really incorporating it into your life is definitely a lot more fulfilling if you're going to go away and your dogs do go into a boarding facility, maybe look at adding on a few training sessions here and there just to really keep with obviously the overall stay for the dog building confidence, but also the brain stimulation as well. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Well, thank you very much, Kana. Before we do finish the show, mm-hmm. where can people find you? You can find me through Canine Evolution. Mm-hmm. Again, that www.canineevolution.com.au or on our Canine Evolution Instagram page and Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm always around. I travel between most of our resorts where the facilities of Canine Evolution are. If you ever needed anything, just give us a call and ask for Canine. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to our very first episode on the podcast for Pet Carers. We will be right back at some stage talking to other industry professionals. I'd like to thank Kana Ranch from Kana on Evolution for joining us on our very first show and telling us all about the benefits of not only training your dog, but also if you're going away on holidays and you are putting your dog in a boarding facility, that you have extra options available to help stimulate and keep your dog entertained and stimulated during that time, as we yep. said. And I'd also like to thank our other sponsor, Pet Resorts Australia, where you can find them on www.petresortsaustralia.com. And they have a whole range of additions that you can not only just board your dog, daycare and training as Kane has been talking to you about. Some of the facilities have grooming salons where you can get grooming done. There's a whole range of things. And just happens that I work for Pet Resorts. So there you go. No bias at all. Very proud to work for Pet Resorts and represent them. So thank you very much and look forward to joining you again at a later stage. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Kana. Bye.